Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee podcast. I am your host, Hugh Lloyd. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We have got a fantastic guest lined up and, uh, well, let's get straight to it. I hope you enjoy. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am joined by my very special guest. So, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together, stamp your feet, jangle your jewellery for the one and only producer, writer and actress, Caroline Spence. Hello, Caroline. How the devil are you? Hello, hello. Yes, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Um, yeah, I've made me just sound quite, quite important there. So <laughs> I, 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 shall, I shall take that. <laughs> it's you know we we flatter anybody's ego and you know so uh, you know we uh, we do our flatter best. away. <laughs> <laughs> now, first of all, I want to say thank you uh, for taking the time out to come on the show. Um, and I think we've only actually spoken previously via uh, via the old uh, messenger um, regarding yes. your last week's casting kills, which we reviewed on the show. Um, yes, you did. Thank but you, you guys, for, thank you for liking it. <laughs> oh, it's. Do you know what? Um, one of the things that we, I sort of, showed a little bit of a break because unfortunately I wasn't very well for a little while. One of the things that we wanted to make sure that we were doing is give an independent film a place to be appreciated and to be shared and to get the word out and get people watching. And if we can help in even the slightest way, um, it makes it all worthwhile. Well, that's amazing because, um, you know, indie filmmakers uh, need all the help they can get. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, because it's all about, <clears throat> you know, despite the fact that nowadays we've got um, such amazing um, tools at our disposal in, the ter- in terms of social media, um, there's still an awful lot of noise out there with um, the big boys banging their drums and, and promoting their films with all their money and their big you know, named cast and everything. Us, us little guys, you know, we, we try to... Uh, we try to kind of like break through all that noise, and um, and so any any help and um, promotion we can get, um, we will gladly accept it. Yeah, and be very grateful. <laughs> absolutely, uh, and I mean, you know, and I'm I try to be as honest as I can, and I, I genuinely, I really, really enjoyed casting Kill. I thought he was a, such a great, it's such a you know, a wonderful play on the Hitchcock tropes. Oh, um, and um, you know, really good cast, really solid cast. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm glad, you know, because it was um, we tra- did try to um, go up a notch with that film mm. uh, from what we'd done before. Um, so it's you know, it's, I, mean, I think I think we succeeded. Um, you know, we, we we kept it small as small as we could um, with small. It was a it was a small um, central cast, but then we brought in other characters mm. from you know to, to come in and out, and um, and it was yeah it was we shot it in six days, so it was a small wow. production and a small shoot schedule, and um, and I, I particularly you know I've always obviously been a big fan of Hitchcock, and and I just love the style of his movies. Um, because obviously, uh, you know, a lot of them from the, oh, from the 30s right through to the 60s, you know, absolutely, had such, yeah, they have had such atmosphere presence um, and uh, such great stories. And he was able to, with his horror films, he was able to uh, suggest 
the, the, the horror rather than actually actually graphically show it. So I was mm. very keen to try and explore that and also bring, you know, I was very keen with the um, female actresses to have the makeup and the hair, very old, old Hollywood glamour. So um, so it would be just aesthetically pleasing all round and, um, and uh, an intriguing story, which hopefully we've, um, we, we seem to have succeeded people seem to like it anyway we've had some great reviews and some you know fabulous comments so um very very pleased about that um and i we've just been um nominated for best independent film at the national film awards which wow it absolutely just came out of the blue had no idea we, we didn't submit our film i don't know if I don't even know how it works. So either somebody submitted our film for nomination or um, it just popped up on their radar. I don't know, but whatever. We're, we're totally delighted. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. So it's a big event in London. And um, so we'll have to get our, our posh rock on and go and strut our stuff and, um, oh. and you know, go and mix and mingle with some um, some famous people. Well, that's nice so to get, you know, get your glad rags on and have a bit of a party. Yeah. Whether we win or not, it's going to be, um, yeah, it'll be a, a fabulous night. But um, it's a, it runs on a voting system. So oh, uh, wow. I'm boring people rigid now. Just yeah. like, please vote. Please vote. You've got to vote. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, we, like, right, at the, right at the top, we sort of talked about sort of, um, you know, the fact that, you know, you, you act, you write, you produce. Where did it all where did it all start for you? Where, where was it? You know, where was that moment where you thought, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be involved. You know, this is something that grips me. Yeah, well, I've always wanted to have something to do with film. Um, you know, we were talking before before about, you know, our school days and um i guess it started in my school days because i grew up watching all these old movies I used to you know show these old movies on on tv in the in the 70s and um i just lapped them up you know mm. <clears throat> and um you know all the all the hollywood movies from the 40s and then right through the 50s and then and then we had in the 70s we had some amazing thrillers that uh, came out and um and i just i've always been a very shy person and lived in my little own imaginary world and didn't really um, want to be involved in, in anything to do with school. <laughs> I just, and our teachers always said, oh, you know, she, you know, my reports, you know, she's like, you know, she just lives in her own imagination most of the time. And I was because I was dreaming up like imagining that I was a, a movie star in one of these movies that I just used to love. And, um, and I joined the, I did some uh, drama classes and I, and I, you know, moving through, up through the years, I did, um, took some exams in drama and um, tried to do everything. But I didn't have the courage to tell my parents that I actually wanted to be an actress. Mm. I, knew that, I knew they'd laugh at me and say, don't be ridiculous. So um, I shifted into um, being a secretary, which I hated. <laughs> and <laughs> but I've always been writing and I always wanted to write and, you know so I guess that was one of the things I was I was pretty good at at school one of the few things uh was my English and writing so you know that just carried carried me right on through and I started writing um I started off writing articles actually things that um 
around the subjects of natural history and evolution and um, mm. ancient history. And, um, and then I met James, who was the photographer, a very skilled photographer. And we kind of like, I don't know, around 2004, we kind of like married up our two, our two skill, you know, our set of skills and started yeah. dabbling in documentary. And um, then it just evolved from there. Now, in t- it's interesting that you say sort of, you know, documentary and sort of, um, I love a good documentary and I'm a, I'm a bit of a history nerd as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, it's interesting, mind you, now, when, isn't it, when you say history, but because of things like the History Channel, everybody instantly jumps to ancient aliens. It's, oh, God. It's instant. Oh, it's like, please. oh. <laughs> it's, it's like, no, no. Um, well, I don't know what it is, but once upon a time, the hist- you know, you used to have really good history channels where you had actual history. But as yeah. you say, now we've got, think, you know, hist- it's, it's all about aliens and UFOs and, yeah. and things like that. It's like that's not history. <laughs> no, no, it's it's interesting when I sort of, you know, you know, when I, when I, you know, for a little while I've taught history and you know, as part of the old Muggle job, and um, mm. it's interesting when you sort of you have a class full of kids who will spout to you good old uh, ancient alien yes. you just think um no <laughs> you know but hey each to their own so in terms of um documentary making filmmaking and those kind of things how did yeah. the leap come over to features then well we we started um making documentaries um uh they would range from natural history to um historical to um sport uh, extreme sports right and um and then we were we were you know we were kind of like making our little mark in our own little way with mm. those bearing in mind this was pre kind of internet um social media days and um you know we had to do it old school yeah and then we moved into and we started doing corporate um commercial work uh just to get some money in um and then which we didn't like weren't too keen on that um mm. apart from the odd job where we got extreme like sports companies wanted us to do um you know films promoting what they do yeah um but anyway then the recession hit and the bottom fell out of that market and we, you know everybody pulled their marketing budgets and um so mm. we were it was at that point started playing around with um actual screenplays yeah and i absolutely loved i just felt at home doing that obviously because of my passion for film um, it just felt so natural. So, so we started playing around with writing feature-length screenplays. You know, we went through. You know, we we didn't didn't do it the right way around. We should have started off with short films, but we, yeah. we went straight into <laughs> right films. in at the deep end. Oh God, talk about stupid. But anyway, we were we were playing around with those and um, and trying to actually, you know, make a go of it. And uh, we've just been trying to make a go of it ever since. <laughs> When you um, write, do you have a particular process when you're writing or is it just a case of um, you, you kind of, you, you have something in your head and you just think, you know what, I'm just going to free flow it and start pulling it together that way. Do you, or do you just, you know, do you have a particular process? Well, most of the time, um, James is the ideas man. He comes up with ideas and writes uh, a rough treatment and then I, you know, turn it into um, a screenplay. If mm. I come up with ideas myself, um Again, because being old school, I'd get a, a, a big A4 pad, notepad, 
and a pen and just and write. And, and that's kind of what I do with the first draft of the screenplays. Mm. Um, once, once I've got the treatment, um, uh, I sure I kind of like sit and think and start writing, um, you know, freehand on, on this notepad rather than bashing away on my computer because I find it, it, I don't know, it just helps um, for me, uh, helps my thought processes a little, a little mm. better. And so I'll write, you know, a couple of scenes and then I'll then I'll get to sit on the computer and then transfer it into Final Draft, which is the software I use. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, and I kind of like just go over and over and over it from there. So most, I mean, I've still got um, notepads with, with original drafts of some of our pub, uh, produced films that I suddenly come across and I'm like, oh, wow, God, I didn't know I forgot I had that. <laughs> My God, look at that! You know, it's like all my my mad scribblings, and um, you know that was the genesis of of what eventually ends up on on screen. So I kind of kept those just just to remind me. Um, I don't know, it's, it's like a souvenir, I guess. So do you? So, I mean, Stallone. Interestingly enough, um, I remember watching um, uh, Sylvester Stallone talk mm. about his writing process, and actually, it's very very similar in that he writes everything by hand. Um, Good man. Um, and he uses, he has a very particular type of pencil, writes in pencil, and he writes everything in long form, in long hand, including mm. and just, just on um, sort of A4 notebook and away he goes. Everything that he does is is written that way. Um, I don't know. I don't know. You know, some people will sort of have... Um, cue cards and those kind of things but it's, it's interesting that you know some people will just mm. sit down and just just wrestle with it um yeah. do, you, do you sort of um how many drafts do you usually go through oh god millions literally <laughs> <laughs> um honestly um i you know as you speak to any screenwriter they're never happy no, <laughs> they always no. got to go back oh no that needs changing this needs changing but with us, obviously, I've got James here, and he he he'll go through a draft, and then he'll come up with some notes, and then throw it back to me, and and we'll we'll kind of like hash it out together, and then but then I'll kind of make changes myself as well, and you know, and to be honest, right up until we're still shooting, we're, we're shooting the actual thing, you know, there will be changes that either I make or or we'll you know agree together to to make these changes, so. The, the drafts never stop. <laughs> I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect screenplay, not for me anyway. I was, I th- you know, always I, very self-critical. I think it goes back to that idea, isn't it, that films aren't actually finished; they're just abandoned. Mm, um, yeah. And it gets to that point where you know, and I mean, sort of, where I, could, I, I was due to sort of uh, shoot my first feature before COVID, um, oh. and unfortunately, I became really ill, oh. um, and various other things but so it's just kind of on pause at the moment um but i've got i got to about draft 14 and sort of realized i needed to just put it away mm. because the only thing that i had left to do was possibly set it in space because <laughs> i'd got to that point where i tinkered with it and played with things so much um that you do just think oh yeah oh yeah, yeah put, put it away put it away yeah um how do you find editing you work um well in early days i used to sit on on all the edits and you know with james james is the technical map guy and he'd be pressing the buttons and and doing the cuts and stuff 
um, in Avid, that's software mm. we use for that. And um, but now it's it's a lot easier and faster if I just let James get on with it because he's a very good editor. <laughs> <laughs> He'll consult me with the odd, um, you know, is this cut all right? Is that cut all right? And what happen? You know, what happens? You know, what should happen here? But um, most of the time, I just let him get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I just come in at the end to start shaking my stick and say, no, nah, that's wrong. Do it again. Yes. No, I don't. I'm not, Make it I'm again. Not, not that bad. I hope I'm not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> now, so for me, it's quite easy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. The, the, the luxury of being a producer, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just delegate. <laughs> in terms of producing, um, how... There are, there are various different approaches and sort of people talk about some producers being very, very hands-on, some people standing back. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you, are you, you know, in terms of, you know, your style of producing and those kind of, where are you with that? Are you letting everybody get on with it or are you rolling your sleeves up and in with everybody else? Well, um, I'm, I just get stuck in. Um, I'm because, of, because most of the time we're shooting films on, on hardly any money. Um, I, I haven't got the luxury of delegating. Even mm. if I did have the luxury of delegating, I think I'd still want to stick my nose in and um, and be on it, you know. So so I kind of wear so many hats on a film set, from um, production management to line producing, script. I don't want to script supervise, but if we haven't got a script supervisor, I, I, I try to do that. But that's very difficult because I also um, I'm also on the boom and capture the sound. So yeah. And then I'm doing the catering and then, you know, it's, it's, well, so I have to do so much. So I'm very, very much. Yeah. Having to wear a, a million hats. And um, but as I say, I think even even if I did have a, a bigger production team around me, I think I'd still want to. And I like be in the middle of it because mm. I just, yeah, I, I think I, I would find it difficult to let go because I just have to learn how to let go, I, I, I should think. I haven't ever got to that position. Yeah. I mean, maybe one day I'll have that, you know, we'll have a proper budget and, um, and I can find out how I will react to having to let go of uh, having total and utter control. <laughs> <laughs> Power is, you know, it wasn't power corrupts. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, obviously, we we talked briefly about um, casting kills, and you know, and we'll we'll come back to that in a little in a little bit. Do you have a particular favourite genre that you like to work in, or are you happy to, you know, or do you, you know, are you? Because f- obviously, you, the casting kills, and then the agent Kelly is another, um, yeah. w- w- which you obviously you took the lead in, and um, there, you know, you got, you got various other stuff out there. Um, but do you have a you know preferred genre that you like to work in? Well, I've always, I guess my favourite genre is thriller. So, mm. so to make thrillers is you know would be just just my thing. Um, I I'm not a fan of for me because I'm I'm a wimp. I don't like <laughs> slashes and you know gory gory stuff. Um, and I tend to steer clear of vampires and zombies and things because I think there's so many other people out there can can do it a lot better than I could. I couldn't write it, you know. Was, mm. I leave that to the people who who can do it properly. Um, so yeah, for me, thrillers, um, kind of like in the psychological thriller or conspiracy thriller. Um, mm. So so that's my favourite genre. I'm 
yeah, I, I do. I would like to dabble in more action because Agent Kelly, although it didn't have a lot of action in it, it did have some. Mm. But um, that was an unusual film because it was an experimental film and um, it was just me in front of the camera and James was constituted the entire crew and um, he did everything. And we did it just in an experiment and I put myself in front of the camera because I was cheap and and, you know, <laughs> I didn't, and James could you know, like not worry about, you know, me not you know, I'm just like being dragged through the surf by a mad Spaniard in Spain and, and mm. running through mosquito infested uh, nature reserves and eat. James knew I'd love it. So, and I did. So <laughs> <laughs> there were no complaints from me. Um, I guess he thought he could risk me, <laughs> yeah. risk me more than, than, you know, anybody else. Uh, so that was brilliant fun. I did. I did enjoy. I think it was harder for him, for James. But for me, it was great fun. Mm. Um, I'd like to do a bit more action, you know, probably not with me in, in front of the camera. I think I'll leave that to proper actors. But, um, yeah, was, I think, yeah, th those generally, in a nutshell, are my favourite genres. A bit of action, a bit of thrillering. Is there, a, <laughs> is there any particular sort of um, anything that you go back to as like you, almost like your, like your comfort food in terms of sort of... Uh, um, when you're gearing up for something. For myself, I'm a huge fan of um, Italian horror. So I love the work, oh, you know, yeah. I, I love Fulci and Bava and um, Doadato and all these, you know, all, you know, the Argento in particular, you know, going back um, for me. So that's, so I kind of sort of, when I, I know when I'm sort of gearing up, I like to go back and I look at certain things. Mm. Um, do you have anything like that that you think, do you know what, that is... You know, I go back and I, you, you go back and you look at that when you, you know, for inspiration. So what you mean other movies, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Movies from back in the day. I mean, I've got hundreds, um, literally, well, maybe not literally, but so many. I mean, and they are, again, in the genre of, of the thriller mm. or, or even, you know, mystery, suspense, spooky kind of stuff. I mean, one, talking of one one of my absolute favourite films is um, 1939, Cat and the Canary, with oh, Hope and Paul yes. Goddard. Yes, absolutely love that film. I cannot ever tire of not of watching that. I just it's just the atmosphere and the camera work. It's so it's so yeah, it's just so suspenseful and so atmospheric, and it's um grabs the imagination. I know it was probably all shot in a studio, and it was like not really shot in the bio of Louisiana, but uh, don't care it just like really draws you in there is something um, though isn't there about those about those type of films there is yeah. you know there is a there's a real aesthetic to it and there's a real there's a real craft there mm. um, and you can see with you know where it, it dips into sort of expressionism and those kind of you know the, particularly the you know the, the great shadows that you see when oh, with that it, it's, it's 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 wonderful I know. um you know yeah. i bore my i bore my students to death talking about <laughs> Uh, sort of, you know, lighting and sh shadows and those kind of mm. all that. But it's kind so of... important, you know, Absolutely. especially in, um, you know, in that kind of genre of film. I mean, I guess that's what we were trying to do a little bit of in um, Casting Kill, you know, bring in that kind of like back in the day look and feel to the film, even though it was in colour. Mm. But, um, you know, and, and the films like The Third Man, for instance, the use of yeah. lighting and shadows there is just. Um, just incredible they almost become another character don't they 
Yes, absolutely. You know, shadows move on their own without the help of humans or animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is, it, and there's something, there is something, particularly with the, the third man, the other one, of course, is Touch of Evil, which mm. with the Charlton oh, Heston. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you can get past the point of Charlton Heston playing a Mexican. Um, <laughs> yes, we went, we went thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> Films that make you awkward and you're not quite sure why whilst watching it and then you suddenly click. Um, you know, they, they are just, there is something just so, so classy about mm. it. You it know, is, and, it is classy, yeah. And it just draws you in, you know. Don't get me wrong, I still love a good splatter. You know, you? oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. I, you know, and you know, there is because there is a skill in that, and there's a very fine line between mm. thriller, horror, and comedy. Oh god, yeah, yeah. It doesn't take a lot mm. um, to spill over um, into one or the other, and um, and I think one of the things that actually Cast and Kill does quite quite nicely is it treads that fine line mm. you know and well, I mean, yeah you know arthur capstone as a character is, is sort of is is brilliant uh, <laughs> is a great is a brilliant creation because it could there is a there are moments where you can clearly see that you know he's not a full shilling um mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but it never spills over into pantomime mm. And that's an yeah. art. That's an art. That, you know, that, that is an art form in itself. Um, no, we were very careful that that shouldn't happen. Um, mm. Yeah, we didn't want a pantomime villain. Um, we just wanted somebody who was completely psychotic, and I think we got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did how did the inspiration for that character come about? Um, well, I guess it's, it's an amalgamation of obviously, like a lot of people, you know, you've got the fascination of serial killers. So um, it's kind of an amalgamation of a couple of them. Mm. Um, you know, many of them have mommy issues. Um, their childhood has just, you know, not been yeah. great. And that's kind of like, rather than nature, they've been nurtured into their you know, current mental state. Um, yes. And also, you know, the bit where he's, um, yeah, well, I won't mind. Like, a spoiler might not i don't know where he's but he's enjoying a bit of pizza anyway with his guest yeah um that that was taken from um my idea uh yeah. <laughs> the, the case of dennis nilson you know mm. where he's, he's murdered these, these young men and um and he would just sit there and watch television with them you know when they were sitting obviously dead and and he'd keep them in his flat for for days and days and days until they started to pen and ink a bit and yes uh, uh, but he'd, he'd have them there for company. Um, I guess it's kind of that. I take I took that that kind of like trait for mm. Mr. Capstone, and um, yeah, I think uh, I can't remember where the rest of it came from. It's just like I think I think Rob Laird, the actor, he brought he brought in a lot of you know nuances as well. So mm. um, and this 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 thing where he's obsessed with the, the image of his mother. Um, some of these actresses coming in to audition for him triggers him off into this like frenzy. So mm. yeah, yeah, a few, a few, uh, a few people coming in, you know, from the real world to inspire that that character. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, you you, you talked about it was it six days that you shot it in? Yeah, um, that must be quite intense. Talk us, tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, it was it was nuts. Um, we did it in six days because well, we didn't want to originally, but we just couldn't get enough money. We didn't get the the, the budget that we wanted, so mm. we got some crowdfunding money, and um, so we used that. And also, we were at the tail end of the pandemic, so there were still a few COVID restrictions going on, and uh, we were worried that we would, if we got shut down by COVID because um, somebody got, got you know caught it um that would just probably be the end of the production because we couldn't you know we were paying for these studios mm. we just couldn't afford any other days you know we couldn't afford any delays so we thought, all right six days or it's not going to happen so we just like I, I i concocted this insane schedule i just it's just it was just nuts um and we we started shooting and it was um yeah, the first day we were well behind schedule. The second day we were even more behind schedule. The third day was we were thinking we're going to have to just pack the whole thing in. This is not we're not going to finish this film. Mm. Fourth day, by some absolute miracle, I still don't know, understand how we started to claw back the scenes we had been unable to film the previous days. And I, I still don't still don't know how we did it. But the filmmaking just, gods were on your side. Oh, they were. Yeah. So there was some. Um, I think the fifth, fifth and sixth. You know, the fifth day we were thinking, we're actually going to do it. You know, this is this is incredible. And by and the sixth day, which was where we shot all our exterior scenes, mm. plus the finale, uh, the one of the biggest scenes, um, which we meant to. Sh- it was a big monologue. Mm. Um, and and, a, and a, kind of like an amazing theatrical. You know, if you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. A big theatrical performance by um, Arthur Capstone. Yes. And um, that scene we wanted to shoot, get out of the way because it was going to be very tricky. We wanted to get that done on the first day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that didn't happen. That ended up being the last the last scene we shot for the whole film. Oh wow. So we, we wrapped after that, and it was uh, incredible. It's quite so, nice yes, to finish on a big I, finale. Yes, I know. And I think I think in the end it kind of worked out well because, you know, it was just just brilliant. And um, it was a very very stressful shoot, I have to say, mm. uh, for various reasons involving. I just uh, just I won't go into the details, but you know, just various uh, ailments that. Okay, well, James was waiting for a hip operation. He was oh wow! Yeah. He was in intense pain. Um, so at one point I thought I'd have to call an ambulance for him because he just couldn't, he just literally couldn't walk. But we got through it and um, and we were up the film and that was that. So we drove away from London yeah. just in shock, I think. <laughs> it is, you know, it, and I think some, particularly when, you know, it, it always, I always chuckle a little bit when I sort of, when you read some reviews that people leave on various, you know, various sites and those kind of things, if anybody had just the slightest inkling of what goes into the actual filmmaking process, what cast, what crew um, mm. go through, not just during, but the before and after, um, it would really, really open a few eyes. Mm-hmm. It definitely would. I mean, I think <clears throat> there's even even some actors don't don't 
actually understand the the amount of work required to get a film done. Um, you know, obviously, um, it's, it, it can be to, to people outside the industry. It is a big mystery. Um, I can understand that, mm. but it can be. You know, it, go, it, it takes years, and and so you know, for the filmmakers, you know, you're in pre-production for months, maybe years. You then you shoot the film, and 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 then you, that that can be whatever, however long. And then then you've got the post-production process. So everybody goes home. All the cast and crew go home, <laughs> and um, you know, look forward to the next gig. The rest of us, you know, like me and James, and and everybody in the the post-production crew it's like look, we're still on it and we have you have to keep going and um and there can be so many ups and downs because of technology <laughs> technology terrifies me i just um uh, just so much can go wrong yeah and, um, i mean you've got to be so on top of it to be and concentrate and, and you know back up and make sure everything's you can't don't lose the footage i mean i heard of one guy oh who was it i can't remember but somebody had shot something whether it was a scene or a day or of his film and um and then they're kind of like the one of the crew took it away took, took the footage away and then recorded over that footage they'd shot oh. and they lost the whole thing i think it was an actual whole film it was somebody on a podcast or something i i i, I listened to oh my god he lost the whole film and he had to read you know years later he went she went around got around to uh, shoot it again so there's always <sighs> that ultimate terror yeah uh, i mean i had yeah. a very very similar um experience um we um the last short that i did was called iron and set myself the challenge of the tiniest budget that i could possibly mm. possibly have. so i ended up making it for 50 quid Cool. Yeah. And of course, as you would with 50 quid, you'd do a sword and sandals thing, wouldn't you? Of course of you course. would. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, yeah, why not? Big, big production design. Yeah. yeah. Of course you would. I mean, luckily, um, uh, I mean, I myself um, practice HEMA. I have, um, you know, my brother-in-law is a part-time Viking. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Friends of mine are um, are are trained um, are trained uh, both stage and screen combat. Uh, okay. They also practice HEMA. So, so in terms of like sort of in terms of authenticity, we were able to bring a significant amount of that to the screen, which was great. Don't get me wrong; there are still a few things that when I look at it, I go, "Oh, how did I miss that?" But anyway, um, so I dragged everybody up the half, you know, up the side of a mountain because, of course, we live in Wales. Mm-hmm. Of course, perfect. And it was absolutely baking. It was uh, during the heat wave. Oh. Um, and it actually cooked our camera. No. Cook just cooked mm-hmm. the camera. Yeah. Um, but um, fortunately, Louise, my wife, who was also my DP, mm. um, said, "You are aware you've got a 4K camera in your pocket." I, I was like, "What?" Because <laughs> I was. I, I mean, at this point, I'm in total, total panic. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we'd already shot half a day, right? Um, however, um, we all to be fair to the cast and the crew were doing it for nothing. Turned around and said, "You know what? Let's do it again," and we reshot everything. 
mm-hmm. reshot everything, and it turned out it turned out, it, it was great. It turned out really, really well. It's got it said some nice positive stuff, um, but it does you know. But that moment of the technical error, writing everything off, is a, is a very real fear. Mm, um, yeah. I mean, I've even noted of um, filmmakers sadly have falling out with individuals within their working on their projects and hard drives being not being handed over. Oh God. Which is just terrifying touch. What I've never had that. No, never had anything like that. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, people think, you know, the point, the camera, you go action, everything falls into place, you take it away and editing is great. Yeah. Um, That's easy bit editing. Yeah. 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 It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. You know, you yeah. turn into a raving lunatic, screaming at a screen. And then, and then when the film's ready and you put it out there, of course, you know, huge audiences will come unbidden to come and watch your work. Absolutely. You don't have to put in any work at all. No, no, you just go, <laughs> you just say, universe. All the money sh- will fall in your lap. <laughs> Here it is. Love me. <laughs> and, oh, if I knew the world was that simple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, and then you know, people, you know, and then people don't get to see the massive breakdowns everybody has no, when no. it's all done. It's all done. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, the pain is real. It is. It is. The, Life the on the cold face. Absolutely. So, what are you guys? Because I know you've just finished. Um, is it the you just finished an Indiegogo campaign for the? And I'm going to butcher this now. The Finica, <laughs> or Finca. The Finca. The Finca. Yeah, the Finca, see. Um, yeah, so, well, it's, yeah, we we kind of finished it, but it's still in demand on Indiegogo, which means people can still donate money. So I'm now expecting, you know, like thousands to be thrown my way. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's um, up on Indiegogo. We did, we did a crowdfunding campaign. We raised about £6,000. Not Which is really good going. Amount. It is. It's just, you know, we could have added a couple of noughts to that. That would have that would help. But um, you know, that was so so grateful to the people who have supported us. Um, you know, just without them, without any of these crowdfunding campaign supporters, we wouldn't have made any of our films. Well, many of our films would not have been made. I mean, some films we just made, just just like Agent Kelly, just by going running around and doing doing it. Mm. And our first film, Do Something Jake, we shot with literally zero, zero money with a lot of help, obviously, and support from people. But, yeah, the crowdfunding is, um, it's, there's some, some campaigners out there that, that just, just rake in tens of thousands. And um, they've got, you know, big, big uh, network of people to call on. And um, I guess they're doing also the, the slasher kind of creepy, you know, that kind of thing which is very very popular because but because we're awkward and we do um you know things are a little bit different um <laughs> i guess some people don't you know wonder what we're trying to do uh with our next project because no one project is ever the same with us <laughs> no. but yeah the thinker um it's it's going to be shot in andalusia central nice. spain and um we're hoping to shoot it this this year in um september if not we'll um if we can't yeah, get get around to doing it this year. We'll, we'll do it in uh, April mm. um, next year. So um, and re- and again, we we reined right back on that one just to have four characters in it in one location, albeit a very a very uh, 
yeah, an atmospheric, uh, expansive location up in the mountains. So um, in terms of logistics, that's going to be a big yeah. plan then? Well, so, we we know Spain, you know, we spend quite a bit of Spain, uh, quite a bit of time out in Spain. So mm. uh, we've, got, um, we've got a boat down there and we go and hang out there whenever we can. We have filmed out there before. Nice. So um, it's it's to be honest, it's it's going to be a lot simpler than say the last film we shot, which was Besquisa, which although it was shot in in the UK in Essex, it was still a logistical nightmare because of so, we had such a big cast. Yeah. On so many locations, and we shot over quite a expansive, you know, five weeks, maybe six. And uh, with the Finca, we want to maybe we won't be doing it in six days, but we will be doing it in <laughs> a lot shorter time than we did um, Best Geezer and mm. uh, with a very small crew and cast. So it's very it's, it's I don't want to say it's guerrilla filmmaking because it, once again, we want to go up a notch in our, you know, how we how we shoot films and what we what we produce to mm. so, so, you know, bring in the old production value and ramp it up. Yeah, but uh, we'll certainly be um, taking our time with it and um, making sure we've got the right cast and crew attached that we can all trek out to Spain um, and you know and try and produce something something really great. That's that's always the ultimate aim. Now, how do you find the the, the, the indie you know the the, the the sort of the the Kickstarter the Indiegogo the you know the how do you find that process? Um, it's 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 a, it's a full-time job. It's very very hard work. You've literally mm. got to be at it. Because um, mo- most um, most campaigns run, you know, about a month or so. Yeah. Two 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 to four weeks, and you've got to be on it every single day, mm. promoting. Or is isn't and it's not just the social media side of it that you see where you know we're kind of like saying please please crowd please donate <laughs> to our campaign you know um you know it's, it's sending out emails and um you know contacting people personally as well so mm. there's a lot of lot of administrative work that goes into it and um so so it is hard work and and i know a lot of people including myself are like mentally exhausted by the end of it <laughs> yeah yeah having run a few it is it is. Mm. It, it it it's bruising at times as well. Yeah, it is. It, it can be. It can be soul destroying. Um, if you know you, you're just not getting the kind of money you want to make the film you want. Mm. But in the end, sometimes the less money you can be, you know, more creative and more inventive. So you know, it can make for a more interesting film. So absolutely. Um, you know, you've got to look at the positives in everything. Absolutely. Uh, no matter which way it goes. So. Is that so? The next up then is uh, the Finca, and then beyond that, are you guys sort of just writing, or so where are you after? Are you just sort of focused on eyes on the prize on this one. Yeah, uh, just concentrating on the Finca at the moment. We do have some other, um, you know, follow-up films in, in the pipeline, but um, they're yet to be written and fleshed out, if you like. So mm. it's kind of like, and plus we've got all our other films that we're trying marketing at the moment <laughs> spend most of my life marketing right now and um so so i think we've got our hands full and yeah the first the, the, the next thing is just to make a really 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 good job with the thinker and mm. um make sure it's something that will sell worldwide um we'll sell it would be nice if it would sell itself you know that kind of film that would sell itself so but 
inevitably, obviously, you know, you've got to put in the hard graft to get the films out there because there's so Absolutely. much content um, out in the marketplace. And do you again, think you can. Do you think that's a plus or a bonus, a plus or a minus now with the fact that, do you think that the market is at saturation point in terms of content and product? Or do you think with, you know, in terms of the, the particularly independent, there is more opportunity? It's, it's a kind of a double-edged sword, I guess, because um, on the one hand, you've got, uh, it's so easy, it's so much, making a movie today is so much more accessible than it used to be. And, mm. um, anybody with any creative skills can, um, you know, get, you know, study and, and learn to go out and make a film, even as you said, you know, with, with your camera, it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not a problem. You know, you've got all the, it's affordable. Um, you just need the right, the right team and the right kind of like knowledge. Mm. Uh, so that's great. Um, and of course, for the audiences, there's a huge amount of content to choose from. Um, in terms of, once a film is out there and trying to make money or get some attention, it's it's a lot harder than it used to be because mm. there is so much out there and, and people are so, you know, you haven't got the more uh, the, the concentrated audiences that you, know, you maybe used to have. And um, yeah. and as I, as I said before, you know, people like us, you're kind of like trying to bang your drum even harder to get heard over the um, the bigger the bigger boys in the industry. Mm. Um, of which, you know, once again, they're, they're producing more and more content as well. So they got more money and they've got more, you know, named faces in their films and um, they've got their, their marketing machines in place. So got to, people like us who go work really, really hard to kind of like push through that and try and get a little bit of attention on your film. So, yeah, I mean, I think filmmakers today are very, very lucky to live in today's world where you've got all this at your fingertips and plus the marketing mechanisms in social media. So, you know, I, 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 it's, it's been a revolution. It certainly has for us. We wouldn't have been, you know, we just wouldn't have been able to do it back in the day. Mm. Um, yeah, without going to film school, which I don't seem to remember there being much in the way of film school when I was, uh, when I was well, a youth. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that sort of there are two schools of thoughts and people believe, you know, firmly believe in the, the grounding that film school gives people. And then there's the other, you know, the other side where people just believe that you get out there and you and you you make it and you learn as you go. And, you know, it's that baptism of fire. Mm, absolutely. I mean, you've got I totally get um, that you can learn some really cool stuff in film school. I don't know what they learn. Obviously, I've never been, but um the technical side of things i suppose mm. um but on our first film we do something jake we had some film school graduates come and come and work on a project and yeah it was like they they didn't know you know they'd never been on a film set before so it was mm. such a huge learning curve for them and after the first day they were exhausted yeah. hey dudes you got you got 20 25 more days to go you know every day come on you got to <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think they is... learned it. They learned a hell of a lot. I don't know. You know, you can't. I mean, we never went to film school. We just have learned by um, just doing it. You so. do, and it's it's the classic thing of you. You know, you take something apart, and then you can't put it back mm. together, and then you learn to put it back together. Yeah. And then you break it again, and then you find a new way of putting it back together. And that's right. You know, the the hero of most independent productions is gaffer tape. Yeah. So or YouTube <laughs> YouTube videos. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. What, what do we do before YouTube? I don't know. What do we do? Or Google? Or Google? Yeah. 
I don't know. It's amazing, isn't it? You love it and you hate it at the same time. Absolutely. When it goes wrong, you hate it. When it works, you think, yeah, I love this. Yeah, it's the love greatest. technology. It's the greatest. It's the, it's the best ever. And then you're like, why can't I get a signal? <laughs> oh, why? God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Banging things. <laughs> now, as we go to wrap things up, can you please let the good people know where, obviously, because you've got an Indiegogo campaign going, where they can find that. Uh, and where they can find you guys and your wonderful films on the social medias. Is, 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 is. Um, right. Well, we're Rare Films, so just Google Rare Films and it'll come up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rare Films London. Um, the Finker is on Indiegogo. If anybody wants to jump on board and join us, um, lots of perks on offer still. And uh, we'd love to welcome you. Join our little team. Um, our films are all on Amazon. Uh, if you're in the States, you can watch it on Tubi. Um, so so we got, how many films? We've got about five films released now out there. Cast and Kill, obviously, being the, the latest one. That's mm. that's on Amazon, Tubi, Apple TV, and a hundred other channels that I've never heard of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Best Geezer, we're screening, um, we have our premiere for that on this, well, this time next week, literally. Um next next sunday the 11th of june at um 8 p.m wow um, at the south end film festival and wonderful so that's being screened up and um and yeah we're just all over the internet you know we're just like ubiquitous you can't get rid of us just Google that's a us great word <laughs> that's a great word ubiquitous i love that word uh, it's one of my favorites it's right up there with pamphlet <laughs> well striation yes i like the word striation invidious <laughs> is another great one. Oh yes <laughs> we could caroline, we could just list them all we just, we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> caroline thank you so much for taking the time out and being on the show um it was wonderful talking to you and you have an open invitation to come back at any time you want marvelous thank you so much yeah you take care oh, you have a... be... uh, thank you thank you for inviting me anyway not it's, a problem it's been great fun chatting to you it's been lovely thank you so much for coming on you take care now cheers you Bye-bye. bye 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 Okay, once again, I would like to say a huge thank you to Caroline for taking the time for joining us on this episode. Really, really interesting uh, conversation on what it takes to get 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 independent films made and the challenges faced. Um, so, yeah, once again, thank you, Caroline. It was fantastic. Okay, up next, we have got What the Wookiee Watched. And first up is The Devil Comes at Night from 2023. Let's check out the trailer. Hello? Jack, are you there? We can't leave until I find the money. You haven't found the safe yet? Not yet. Looks like half the town is looking for you. I've never seen anything like this before. Who is in my house? Your dad gave me keys. I didn't break in. Your dad, he told me that if anything weird happened in town that I was supposed to come here hide. The whole town's acting bizarre. You afraid of the dark, Ben? Why are you doing this? <gasps> I promise you haven't seen anything yet. Something demonic is going on. We're gonna finish what we started. 
Okay, that was the trailer for The Devil Comes at Night from 2023. This was directed by Scott Lever. It was written by Ryan Allen and Adrian Cress. And uh, it essentially follows the story of a washed-up boxer who uh, inherits his uh, recently deceased 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 father's house and uh, suddenly he finds himself being trapped inside and surrounded by a cannibalistic cult well what could go wrong <laughs> um this one stars uh, ryan allen as ben one of the writers adrian cress um as amy who also is one of the writers on this uh jason uh, martirino as mason and ellis Zeru as jack now this one for me um i really enjoyed this um it kind of ticks all the boxes you've got uh, a cannibalistic demonic cult you've got um siege horror so so realistically this one should be you know should just be a, smash it out the park um it's a little bit hit and miss it does go up and down at times um the one thing that really really saves this one is the performances of ryan allen and adrian Cress. they have got great chemistry um throughout this one and does feel a little bit sort of almost episodic at times where the screen does cut to black and unfortunately we get moments within this where lots of the action takes place in pitch black which is a little bit frustrating because what goes <laughs> the sounds that we can hear in the darkness sound fantastic um this has got some really good action in it um there's some really really great quirky characters who pop up in this and it has a little touch of the sort of um of romero's original crazies um i really enjoyed it it's a lot of fun it's definitely worth checking out um and i would give this one a three out of five okay up next we have got and i'm really really excited to uh to sort of share the love on this one and this one is the Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert Englund story. So let's check out the trailer. There are horror icons. There's Freddy, there's Jason, there's Pinhead, there's Chucky. But then there are iconic horror actors. Fasten your seatbelts. I never set out to become a horror icon something I wasn't planning, it's just something that happened. Like most actors, you don't realize that this is going to be a life-changing moment. If the guy behind the makeup isn't selling it right, then it doesn't work. Can't have any style of film without having a charismatic person at the helm. He brought so much into Freddy, the way he built Freddy. Robert still managed to make him not just horrific, but likable. That's why you hire an actor. And he's Robert f***ing England, for God's sake. Now that's some prime time. We made a lot of fun of him and what Freddie had become, and it was just really amusing and crazy. There was a huge crowd. They started rocking the trailer. It was scary. I mean, we thought we were going to be tipped over. I didn't know this was so serious. Freddie killed children. 
and he had a television show. And it really appeals to a young audience because they enjoy the rending of these bodies on screen. And so Robert is a de facto uncle to this audience. Mr. Knifey Hams is here right now. I think I've been to partying with Robert more than I've ended up working with him. I like it. <laughs> here was a guy, as a character actor, could have, I think, done anything. However, having done Freddy, he's iconic, and yet it was oddly limiting for him. And I think assumptions get made about horror actors that they're less than, and it, it's unfair. I thought a little bit about fighting it. Robert walked in, and I thought, oh, this is just so right. <laughs> I just go to Robert. I need you to play Buckman. I'll only do it if it's hee-haw and acid. Welcome to Pleasant Valley! hyper aware of what lens is on the camera, what's the, not just what the angle of view, but what's the lens. She's one of those film actors who understands film. Robert as a fellow actor is a dream. He's Shakespearean. Robert Englund's a great actor. It's as plain as that. Okay, that was the trailer for Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert Englund story. This was directed by Christopher Griffiths, uh, along with Gary Smart, and it was written by Neil Morris and Gary Smart. And essentially, this is a sort of bio-documentary of, um, um, of the career of Robert Englund. Of course, Robert Englund, as we are fully aware... He is, of course, the plays the iconic Freddy Krueger. Some of you may have heard of him. Don't even know why I felt the need to tell you that one. <laughs> um, this documentary is... It is just... It, it's wonderful. It really, really is. Um, I cannot speak highly enough out of the, about this. Um, if I was being really, 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 really mega picky, um, this... Pre- if, if you watch some of the, the, the sort of... Um, the behind-the-scenes uh, footage for any of, of of any of the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, movies, you're not going to see any new material on here. But what is really, really fascinating is the... You get to see the early parts of Robert Englund's career. And you get to see um, his love of his craft. You also get to see... Um, that this is not just somebody who is just he's just there to play one character he's what you know he, robert england is without a shadow of a doubt a horror icon and this um this documentary is a is a is a is a loving tribute to that um it is absolutely wonderful you get you know it, it is literally a who's who of horror um, in this, you've got Lance Henriksen pops up. You've got Eli Roth pops up, one of my personal heroes. McGarris pops up. Tony Todd is in there. Uh, Lynn Shea, of course, Heather Langenkamp, um, Dennis Christopher, Bill Mosley, Kane Hodder. You name it, they're there. And the one thing that comes out time and time and time and time and time again is Robert England's commitment to his craft. And what's great about this is we see um, Robert Englund, like I said, at the early parts of his career from uh, stage, then to, to playing character actors in smaller bit parts. We see where his, you know, that, that spectacular rise with the Elm Street um, movies and how we, that, that sort of, that transition to becoming almost, that, well, he is, he is a pop culture icon. And now we get to in the, we'll touch on where he is in terms of his career now and the sort of 
what is really really interesting is to see how much um he is giving back and he is working with younger directors and 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 how giving he is back to his back back to cinema and back to independent film and back to the horror community it is a fantastic documentary if you are a fan of the nightmare on elm street movies then it's a must if you were a fan of horror it is a must if you are a a fan of acting if you were a young actor if you're any kind of actor then this is something that you really really need to sit up and pay attention to because his listening to him talk about his craft and how he develops character and those kind of things is absolutely fascinating and we get to hear large chunks of this from the man himself this isn't just some sort of uh, the narrator robert england talk is interviewed throughout um and he is a wonderful raconteur and for me this is a four out of five okay little bit of news guys now you will be able if you are interested uh to find a little bit more of my uh, ramblings and my and some more reviews of mine uh, over at the at morbidlybeautiful.com um so i'm going to be writing some reviews for those guys over there and they made me feel incredibly welcome um and i'm really really excited so if you want to hear some more in depth um reviews on particularly the two movies that we just discussed there shortly pop on over to morbidly beautiful and you will be able um to find um well my written reviews of those so they're in a little bit more depth so yeah so i'm going to be doing a bit over there at morbidly beautiful i'm really really excited um to get cracking again um so um once again i'd like to say thank you for the wonderful team over there for giving me the opportunity for uh, to be able to sort of uh, share my love of horror in written form so uh, you get to hear me witter away on here and then you get to hear me ramble some more over there so don't forget you can find uh, some of my reviews now over at morbidly beautiful so once again i would like to say thank you um to everybody who has um sort of interacted me on over on social media over at twitter and over at instagram and over at facebook don't forget you can find us over there at the undead wookie over on facebook uh, on instagram at the undead wookie 1980 you can find me at the undead wookie on twitter so say hi give us a like give us a follow don't forget you can see some of our short films over on the youtube channel just type in the undead wookie and they will pop up over there so we've got the school hall sort slaughter short on there we've got the um We've got Iron over on there. We've got the trailer for School Hall. It, it, just pop on over. And fingers crossed, we're going to be adding a little bit more to that very, very soon. So I'll, we'll keep you all posted. So all that is left for me to say in the immortal words of Count Duckula, good night out there, whatever you are.